There are only two supplements I have on subscription currently, and that is L-theanine, which is a calming amino acid I've talked about a lot on here, and magnesium, specifically magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers. Of course, both of these are great for sleep, but magnesium has the added benefit of being fantastic for stress management. Stress depletes your magnesium levels, and it's a mineral that most people are deficient in because it's really been depleted from our soil and food. Being stressed when you're already deficient in magnesium can wreak havoc on your sleep. Magnesium increases GABA, which encourages relaxation on a cellular level, so that's why it's so critical for sleep. The reason Magnesium Breakthrough is so effective is because it's a full-spectrum magnesium supplement with seven different forms of magnesium. When you get all those seven forms, pretty much every function in your body gets an upgrade. Sleep, brain function, stress pain and inflammation. And for a limited time, you can get additional digestive supplements from Bioptimizers, which I love, included with your order. So when you purchase Magnesium Breakthrough, you'll get a free bottle of Masszymes, which is Bioptimizers' powerful digestive enzyme. And then there's also P3OM, which is an awesome proteolytic probiotic, and their HCL product, which can help to alleviate heartburn and acid reflux. So this will all come with your order. Visit Mag Breakthrough, so that's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash wellfed. Enter the code wellfed10 to activate this offer. It's limited to the first 1,000 orders. Again, that's magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed and enter the code wellfed10. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. What's up, friends? Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 389. It's a lot of episodes. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandcuttleballs.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a National Strength and Conditioning Association certified personal trainer. You can head over to my website, coconutsandcuttleballs.com, and click podcast at the top to search previous episodes by topic. I am thrilled that you are here today. This is going to be a discussion that will be applicable and hopefully help so many of you. Our episode today is all about managing chronic illness and getting to the root of your issues. Chronic illness can be so incredibly confusing and multifactorial. Conventional doctors will typically say there's nothing that can be done or they'll prescribe medication or creams. And functional medicine doctors may have different opinions about what's going on or what you should focus on first. You may have blood work that shows you have hormone imbalances and gut issues and nutrient deficiencies. So where do you start and how do you know what to actually focus on or what's actually going to work? So that's that's a million dollar question. And today I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Megan Burt, who is a holistic health practitioner. She specializes in root causes of chronic illness and she's also experienced it herself. She's still managing it. Um, It's been decades. So we're going to answer all of your questions about chronic illness and hopefully provide insight on what to do next 
for people who may or may not have a diagnosis. So Dr. Megan Burt is a wife, mom to two girls, chiropractor, and healthy living encourager. She has a deep knowledge of chronic illness, detoxification and drainage, mold, parasites, and minerals, to name a few. She is passionate about simplifying natural health and talks a lot about this on her podcast, which is called Just Enjoy Health. Welcome, Megan. I am so excited to share your knowledge with everybody today. Oh, well, thank you for having me on when you said, what should we talk about? It's like, this is such a perfect thing because I've walked through it and Mm -hmm. I'm just excited to hopefully have it be such an encouraging episode for people. Yeah. So as a practitioner and someone who you've mentioned has struggled with your own chronic illness, what are some things that you thought were helping maybe that, that you did in your journey that were actually making you sicker? Well, I think for me, one of the biggest issues was I didn't realize that I was so impacted by mold and that mold was something that I actually had to consciously work on getting out of my body, which I'm still doing. So I would do all of these things and then I would feel a little better And then I would crash. And it was just this constant up and down because I never got this big toxin out of my body. But there's a couple of things. Number one, I was thinking it was mindset and stress. So when I was first not feeling well, um, it was, I had some health issues before this, but it was really bad when I started chiropractic school and didn't realize I was living in mold. And I thought that I was weak. Everybody else could do more than me, that I didn't have the willpower to eat well. I had all these cravings. I you know, couldn't figure out why I was so poofy or I was so bloated. Like it was my fault. And I wish I would have given myself more grace, but I didn't, I didn't realize there were a lot of issues going on. And it sounds so silly now to say like, oh, I didn't realize that all these things I had were, were actually symptoms that I needed to find the, the cause of. But I just thought I had lack of willpower. And so it really created this controlling, perfectionistic, very stressful mindset. So I wish I would have known that and then known so many things that we know now about vagus nerve health and brain retraining, because that could have helped years ago. Another one is I forgot all of the free stuff, like getting out in the sunshine, getting adequate, good sleep, resting, not feeling guilty and feeling like I had to be productive all the time walking, being outside, like listening, you know, just sitting, listening to the birds chirp, right? Like I always felt like I needed to be productive. I needed to reach this certain level. It's like the type A firstborn in me, right? Mm. Like I know I I can't rest. I always have to be doing something and just forgetting a lot of those foundational things that I now know were so important. And we'll get to this drainage support minerals, just those foundational things I, I missed the ball. I jumped right into, I need the perfect protocol to fix this. Like once I found functional medicine and that's what I focused on for way too many years. What were your symptoms besides the ones that you mentioned, just to give people a little bit more insight into what actually might be caught, like the caught, like when you said it's mold, what were some of those other symptoms? Cause so- sometimes they mirror so many other things and it's hard to know if it's mold or, you know, something else or histamine or this or that. So what were some other symptoms and what tipped you off that it was mold? Right. There's so many overlaps. You're so right. So for me, it started honestly, when I was 18, I went on a mission trip to Mexico and I now know in hindsight, I got a parasite. 
because I came back and my gut was just wrecked. And that started this um, just long history of just chronic bloating then. And so I think that made me just very, very susceptible. So then once there was more stressors coming in, then I was very susceptible to living in mold and not being able to detox. So I had a lot of gut issues, a lot of inflammation, tons of cravings. I at that time slept well, but I don't think I rested very much. I was always tired. I was always hungry. And I had a lot of brain fog, lack of focus. And so for me, just the different pathogens, mold included, really affected my brain, my ability to think clearly or to work for a long period of time. And it's funny how you just adapt to things. So my mom used to always tell me, Megan, can you just sit down, focus and study? I would go to Starbucks and I'd study for two hours. And then I would be like, oh, can't focus anymore. And I'd get up and I'd go home and I'd study for two hours. And then I would get up and go to Caribou and study for two hours because it was the only way that I could kind of change my environment enough, take a little break in order to continue studying for as much as I needed to do for chiropractic school. So you just kind of adapt to certain things, but I now realize, ah, that was a lot of brain fog, brain on fire symptoms. So yes. Yeah. What, um, when you said you jumped into like intense protocols and supplements and all that kind of stuff, would you have made that same decision now? Because I think that I'm I'm so happy that we have so much information available now, but it's a lot of information. There's a lot to figure out. There's well, first of all, doctors really don't typically provide the information. So people then feel like they have to go find it themselves. And so you obviously jumped into it's mold. I want to get rid of it. Would you have changed the order in how you treated your symptoms and or tried to heal yourself? Yes, I would have. Well, it was, I only realized that mold was still an issue in my body two years ago when I found a different doctor that was like, you have mold that has been circulating in your body for over 10 years. This is the, for you, the biggest root cause. So I missed that. So what happened was back in 2009, I started to get really interested in supplements truly understanding physiology and how the body works and how supplements and detox can help in there. And it just happened to work out. So would I go back and change things? Yes. But also this was the plan for me to get into this type of work too. So the doctor that I started training with, he was all about the more supplements you can take to kill something off the better. And it was, there was no break. There was no focus on drainage. There was no focus on supporting the body. It was just like, annihilate the body with antimicrobial supplements. Mm. So he was brilliant. I learned a ton. So that's where I go. Well, I love that I learned everything, but was it actually good for healing my body? No, because I was so stressed out. I still had this mold in my body. And I knew that the apartment I was living in was moldy because one day um, it was a year and a half into living there. And here's the funny thing. It's just you don't know what you don't know when you're 21 years old, right? And I walked into my kitchen and the the like ground sunk. It like buckled. So that's how wet it was. So I there was a leak from the HVAC and the entire everything when they ripped the floor up and they took the trim off, it was just mold everywhere. I've never seen such bad mold. They didn't fix it. They said you can get out of your lease. 
So within 60 days we moved and I knew like, this is bad, but I didn't know anything more other than just get out of there. Mm. And so I think there was just this really bad, I mean, you had wetness, (laughs) a lot Mm. of wetness and mold. And I had a constant nine month stomach ache. Like some days I was so bloated, the jeans I wore the previous day didn't fit. I couldn't buckle them. And I was like, you don't gain weight like that and lose weight like that. That's how inflamed my body was. So I got out of there and felt a little bit better. Um, but yes, I would have changed a lot because I, I didn't address um, so many of the ways to support my body and support drainage. And we can kind of get into that too. Drainage is your body's natural detoxification pathways. So we've got um, bowel movements. We've got liver, your, your liver detoxes. We need to support that. We need to support mitochondria, all these different things where we're saying, I want to work with the body. And once the body's prepared, then we can bring in the antimicrobials because you have to get to those parasites. You have to get to the mold. You have to get to all that. But if your body's so stressed out and you are not moving lymph and you are not going to the bathroom like you need to, you're just going to recirculate all those toxins again. And that's what I did for years and years and years. And so I looked to, if I can just find the magic supplement, is this the thing that's going to help me. And so I was, and I still am an avid researcher, but I'd be like, it's this thing. You know, I read this article. If I just take this and if I can just eat this perfect way, if I can eliminate, you name it, I've tried to eliminate like everything, then I'll, I'll, I'll find this, you know, kind of beacon of health. And I didn't realize that I was working against my body and not with my body. Okay. So you talk about, you're talking about drainage and detoxification, which my mind always goes to the liver and the gut. And I think that what a lot of people do, especially people who are like you, who seem to just get sicker with protocols is they think that, um, in to support drainage and to support gut health, you take more supplements, right? So like you take some liver supportive detoxification supplements and I'm taking my B vitamins, but it's from a vitamin, you know, it's a, it's a pill. And then it's like, well, I'm healing my gut with this collagen supplement. So what are the ways, what are the foundational ways in which we support drainage and detoxification that don't involve supplements? Right. Well, I want to mention one thing that I'm learning so much about now. And I feel like I, it's such a big topic and I can't even fully, you know, boil it down into like the 32nd elevator pitch, but it's brain retraining vagus nerve support. So because of all of my health things over the years, and I told my husband this, I said, our entire marriage, unfortunately, we've been married for 11 years is like, does Megan feel enough, good enough to do this? Do you have Mm -hmm. enough energy to go on the date night? Do you have, and part of that is just my story. And I've learned to deal with fatigue and all, all of those things. Oh, that was another one of my huge symptoms. If I didn't mention that chronic fatigue, like crazy, always tired. Um, but I, I didn't realize that my stress, my negative thoughts, and just the way that my brain was wired is I, you know, at all times, and I'm working really hard on this now, I was like, how do I feel? Oh, I'm tired. This is going to dictate. And it robbed the joy, so much joy in my life. Everything was about my health. And there's so much more to life than just about my health. And so that's one thing that I have done is limbic system retraining and really working with different, um, 
like body movements, like working with my body and trying to just realize that I can't heal if I'm incredibly stressed out. I can't heal if I'm at war with my body. I can't heal if I constantly tell myself things like, oh, I feel like a prison. Like my body's a prison. I need to escape. I wish that this wasn't this. I'm obsessing about feeling this way. That you can't, you can't do all these great supplements and then think really bad things about your body, right? Mm-hmm. And just have right. all of that unconsciousness. And it's just kind of wired that, and then the I, I'm kind of getting to the answer of your question. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I had a really big health crash and it just came from a lot of stress and some birth trauma with my second and just stirring the pot postpartum, you know, like I hadn't gotten the mold out. And I finally went to this doctor and she's like, Megan, you have SIRS, which is chronic inflammatory response syndrome. Now I don't love attaching diagnoses to people, but it allowed me to go, what is this thing? What are you talking about? And so, you mean, I didn't like the 60 days worth of charcoal I took five years ago, didn't take care of, you know, decades long living in mold. Huh? Okay. And so it's just an underlying immune system dysfunction that biotoxins, mold and Lyme and and all the co-infections that come with Lyme create in your body. So she's like, of course your hormones are off. Of course, all this stuff, we're not going to do all this testing because I know it's all off because you have mold circulating. So we did a blood test called, we tested for the HLA DR gene. I don't know if anybody, when you've been talking with mold has brought that up. No. It's, we're, it, it's um, a very tricky test to interpret, but you're seeing if you have um, genetics that don't allow you to create antibodies to detox mold. So what happens is a foreign invader comes in, your body goes, "Uh Oh, I don't like this thing. I see it as foreign. I'm going to create the antibodies and we're just going to get it out of the body via the gut, you know, via bowel movements. We're going to move it through the bloodstream. We're getting it out. If you have these HLA-DR genes, you don't, you see foreign invader, but you can't make the antibodies. So your body is constantly on alert that you have Mm -hmm. foreign invaders in your body and you can't do anything about it. So you circulate the, these toxins through the liver into the gut, through the liver, into the gut via the, um, enterohepatic circulation. You know, it's a very natural thing that your liver and gut recirculate things, but you just have a bunch of foreign invaders and it really throws your immune system off. And the reason I say this is because 20 to 25% of people have at least one of these genes. So that's where a lot of people, they're like, I've tried everything. What is going on? Or my husband feels great and I feel horrible in this house. Why is he fine? Why am I not? Well, he may not have those antibody or that those genes and you're just recirculating. So that's where the focus. And for me, I talk a lot about mold because if we don't identify it and bind it, remove it, you know, and do those different steps, you can just recirculate. So that's really what happened with me. So a lot of these things that I was doing and my mold doctor was like, Megan, you get like 80% better and then you crash or you get 90% better and you crash. I'm like, exactly. My body was saying foreign invader, foreign invader. And that was throwing everything else off. Hmm, right. Yes. So did I answer your question? I don't think I did. 
(laughs) (laughs) So like, what are those? And I mean, that's super insightful, but what are some things that people can do to support drainage and detoxification? Because I feel like, you know, everybody's like, oh, your body detoxifies. It's fine. It does. And that's really important. But there are certain things like certain nutrients that we need, certain things that we do, you know, managing stress, for example, that actually supports our body's ability to detoxify and get rid of this stuff. So for, I I find that with like people who are struggling long-term it's for a lot of the reasons you said, but it's also because it's been this long-term lack of supporting the body's ability with either it's nutrient deficiencies or diet or whatever uh, not being able to support the body's ability to detoxify and eventually it does build build into to other problems. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I would really focus on those like foundational things. So with drainage, castor oil packs, um, movement moves lymph. So that could be in a vibe plate that get out, walk, make sure you're moving. And when you're having chronic illness, chronic symptoms. I like to call it chronic symptoms versus chronic illness. It feels a little less like I'm labeling it. Like, yeah, I just have chronic symptoms and we're going to figure that out. Um, we need to move. We need to make sure that we're having one to three good bowel movements a day. That is the core of that drainage funnel. And if that's not moving, you are recirculating toxins. So you want to make sure that from kind of that standpoint, maybe adding in coffee enemas, which definitely is not drainage one-on-one, but that can help so many people as you kind of move through that. And then other things that are really foundational, you talk a lot about food. I don't think that like one particular diet is going to heal everybody. Or if you just find the perfect thing, it's not curative in and of itself, but man, can it be a source of toxicity? So just making sure that the inflammatory things are out of the diet, because if you're doing all the drainage and you're running through drive-through beyond, you know, to drive through and eating all these different things that are adding inflammation to your body, you're going to be really at war with that. And then I, I'm starting to learn a lot more about minerals. So making sure that we're getting proper minerals in our diet. If you have parasites, if you have other pathogens, mold, you need two to three X, the amount of minerals, salt, and you just need to make sure that that's, you know, good and balanced. And then Noel, you said stress, stress is huge and just working on, on retraining the brain. And like I said, there's, if you want, I can give you a couple, um, different things that have helped me or different resources, because that is not my specialty, but I know that I need it. And the more I learn about it, most people that have struggled with their health long-term do need to work on that neuroplasticity, retraining the vagus nerve um, to, or, or supporting the vagus nerve. So yes, those are just some good foundations. Anybody can do that. Get out in the sunlight and make sure you're getting good sleep too. I wish that I could have told myself, you don't need to watch that extra episode of TV. And I've always gotten decent sleep. I've never stayed up like crazy. And then I thought I had to have that perfect morning, you know, wake up at 5am, get all this amazing stuff done. Well, that was at a detriment to my own health. I shouldn't have been getting up that early. And now I finally am realizing I just let myself sleep. I usually wake up somewhere around 6.45 to 7.15. I don't get this perfect morning routine done, but I'm supporting sleep and quality sleep. And we need sleep to heal, to support our glymphatic system, our brain detox system, which drains into the lymphatic system. We need that good sleep. I have the thing that will help you sleep or go back to sleep when you wake up in the middle of the night and it is 50% off. 
Yes, it's CBD oil, and it is my go-to when I'm anxious, stressed, or my head is spinning in the middle of the night and I can't sleep. I love Feels CBD oil. I found Feels a little over a year ago. I started experimenting with it, and it's given me so much peace now, knowing that I have that if I wake up in the middle of the night and it will help me go back to sleep. Feels uses 100% organic MCT oil as the carrier oil to stabilize and increase CBD's bioavailability. Their products are formulated with only the purest ingredients and without the use of fillers, flavors, or unnecessary fluff. CBD oil naturally helps to reduce stress, anxiety, and pain and sleeplessness. And the way it works is that CBD interacts with your endocannabinoid system. So just like we have receptors for dopamine and serotonin, we also have receptors for cannabinoids. And these receptors act like traffic cops to control the level and activity of neurotransmitters. It is not addictive and there are no psychoactive properties. It couldn't be easier to use. Just place a few drops under your tongue, hold it there, swallow. You will feel the difference instantaneously. The best way to get high-quality CBD oil at a discount is to become a Feels member. That gives you 30% off, which is huge. I'm a Feels member, and I have the 2,400 milligram bottle shipped monthly. Yes, I recently upped my dose. There's no shame in that. If you've tried CBD oil before and it didn't work, it's probably because you weren't taking enough. With our special code, you actually get 50% off your first order. So become a member today by going to feels.com forward slash well-fed, and you'll get 50 50% off your first order with free shipping. They also have CBD mints and you can subscribe to those as well and get a discount. Again, that's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com forward slash well-fed to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. So interesting. So there's two things that a lot of people have questions about. And I have mm -hmm. seen all the questions come through on, and you mentioned them. Um, I've seen, I've had a lot of questions in my well-fed women, in the well-fed women Facebook group, and I don't know a lot about them. So one, talk to me about coffee enemas and what that is and where somebody might use that. And then mm -hmm. I really want your take on castor oil packs and when somebody might bring that into their, like to support their symptoms. Right. So castor oil packs would be like a, a basic starting point. I love them. They're so gentle. Some people can herx from it or they can get a little rash from it. That means that your liver really needs help or your lymph really needs help. So there's different compounds in the castor oil when applied topically because people go, can I drink it? No, no, no. You are going to flush and you're going to feel really bad and you're not going to get the benefits. It's a topical thing. And so you're going to put it most likely over your liver and those compounds are going to get into the lymph. They're going to get into your bloodstream and they're going to very gently encourage detox, immune stimulation, all these things. So that's something I say, bring in right away try it once a week, maybe move up to twice a week. And there's some people that are like, do it every day or wear it all throughout the night. I think that's a little bit too much, but just knowing that you can't really go overboard on it. I try to do a castor oil pack one to four times a week, just depending on moving to coffee enemas. That's kind of like the more advanced drainage support detox. And there are some people that can get very intense with coffee enemas, doing them daily or adding all sorts of supplements to them. I feel like that needs to be done under the like ad advice and guidance of a practitioner. But the basic coffee enema is the, the thought behind it and the science behind it is there's compounds in coffee that when 
it reaches the liver is able to stimulate the liver to number one, produce a ton of glutathione, which is great because that's a supplement we take, right? Or we want to take, you can naturally increase glutathione. And number two, you cause the liver to release a lot. So you can release liver flukes, which is a type of parasite. You can release all sorts of toxins that are stored within the liver, or I should say they're not actually stored in the liver. They're circulating within the liver duct work and you can stimulate it to release that. It also can be really helpful to get bowels moving, especially during a protocol. Maybe things are a little bit more backed up, but I don't like people starting there because it can be too much and it can give you brain fog or make you herx because our liver has a lot of stuff in there that might need to be purged out. So I would say start with warm water first because you want it body temp. So right around 98.6, start with warm water, move up to chamomile tea enemas, then start with wheat coffee. And there's certain types of coffee that you use for coffee enemas that's mold-free, um, organic, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And then make your way to stronger coffee. And if you're working with a practitioner, they can tell you if they want you to add this, that, and the other thing to them. But that's kind of the hierarchy of those two drainage. Okay. Interesting. Right. Can't say I'm going to try it (laughs) currently anytime soon, but I won't write it off. I'll start with warm water if I ever decide to. Okay. They're, They're real weird at first. Give yourself like two or three of them. And then you're like, uh-huh. okay, this is just part of the weirdness that, that we do. <laughs> um, but for, for a lot of people, they're like, I don't know. I don't love them. Some people just swear by it though. And so it's been just a big shift in their health. So I never telling people, I don't discount it, but you really can heal without doing tons of coffee enemas too. Okay. Let's jump into some questions from the community. Cause this will mm-hmm. allow us to touch on a diverse uh, array of topics. So this is from Alyssa. She says, how do you approach chronic tiredness with a conventional medicine doctor? Any specific tests to suggest for this? I'm now working with a functional medicine doctor, but when I approached my conventional PCP about it, she literally shut me down and told me I just probably needed more vitamin D. I was taking 1000 IUs a day. I know I'm not alone here. Mm-hmm. The traditional medical system is really set up for acute care, not for chronic illness. So when you say I have chronic fatigue, you don't fit into one of their, their boxes. So maybe, maybe they'd run a TSH, which isn't even a great marker for thyroid, right? They just, they can't help with that type of thing. And I think if we just very lovingly acknowledge that, right? Without saying, oh, this is a horrible doctor. This is a horrible system. Know what the system's for. It's not for that. They're, they're not going to really run a test. And there's no great chronic fatigue um, test or fatigue test because it's just a word that can describe so many different root causes. So I, they can't really do a lot. That's where I would say, like she said, I found a functional practitioner. That's what's really going to help when somebody looks at the body as a whole. And a long time ago, a chiropractic philosopher said, when you start seeing medical doctor specialists, they know more and more about less and less. And so they're seeing the body as just one small thing. Okay. You go to an endocrinologist. They're just looking a lot of times at thyroid. How does that work with everything else? That is not what the medical system is for. So there's not a really great um, lab test for chronic fatigue, but if you can get a good functional doctor who understands blood chemistry, they can look for patterns in blood work and go, okay, I'm piecing these things together. This is 
maybe the root cause of your chronic fatigue. This is what we have to work on. These are markers that are out of functional range and they can really help that way. I think you mentioning functional range is really important too, because sometimes even if you run those tests, you're within the conventional range and they will tell you that you're fine when really it you're not fine. Um, and we've seen this time and time again with thyroid doctors and you wouldn't believe it folks, but even with all that we know and all the information out there, conventional endocrinologists still don't see it to be a huge problem if your TSH is, oh, I don't know, around five. Like, and we know we have so much information about the functional ranges and why those there, there are serious red flags there. Um, and so it's, it's, I just, it's, it's baffling to me with all the information that's out there that we still have such a, like, like inaccurate markers for so many things when it comes to blood tests. But unfortunately it's like that, if this is the way that it's taught, then there's no real reason to move away from that. And if the solution is, okay, we need to fix this with medication, then that's, that's the model. And so I do feel like having a good PCP is great for those acute situations. Like when you're Mm -hmm. having hives or rashes and you need help quickly, like, you know, you know, it's, it definitely serves a purpose and it has its place and you can still use, you know, you can, if you know a couple things you want to get tested and your insurance covers it, you can say, Hey, can you do a full thyroid panel and include these things and see if they're on board with you? I do know that there are some conventional doctors who will do that. And you just have to keep, you have to be willing to fire your doctor and not, maybe not, maybe that's harsh. Maybe just get a second opinion. It's, you have Mm -hmm. to be willing to, to sort seek out somebody who's willing to work with you. And a lot of times nurse practitioners are really, really wonderful at, at being willing to work with you and saying, sure, I'll run those tests for you. Like, we'll get you that information. Um, that's just been my experience, but I loved your, your thought of, Hey, let's not expect so much when the model isn't necessarily set up for that. So yeah, they're, they're finding pathology and disease processes. That's what they're looking for. So a lot of those will fall out of the standard lab ranges, but most people, and even a lot of people with chronic symptoms, you will fit perfectly within or fairly perfectly within those conventional lab ranges. So yes, finding somebody to really, because lab work, I love blood work. It shows so much for a very um, good cost too. It's not like you're going to be at thousands and thousands of dollars. A lot of these functional doctors work with labs and you can get a really comprehensive lab workup for two to $300. And that says so many things. So yes, I'm glad that you touched on that and just knowing the system for the system. And I learned a lot being in that system. I've had two C-sections and, you know, you go in, you do your thing that the medical system needs, and then you go back out and you live your more holistic life. Mm, Yeah. Okay. This is from Faith. She says, I work too many hours out of complete necessity. It keeps me from having more than five hours of sleep at a time. This is causing me to have worse brain fog, poor motivation, and worse depression until I'm financially stable enough to have room for sleep. Is there anything I can do to support my body while I survive this season? Everyone has told me to just sleep more, but that just isn't something I can do right now to still make ends meet. 
thank you. And Megan, I feel like this is a lot of when you kind of are in, you can be in this survival mode for so many reasons, including, you know, children, babies, you know, kids with sleep issues, you know, needing to work too much, working overnight shifts, like having to make ends meet um, or double shifts. Like there are a lot of people out there who can't, don't have the the capacity to work on their health or can't get sleep right now. So what would you recommend? Mm -hmm. I would say one thing, and this may not apply to faith in particular, but is there a way to think outside of the box? You know, sometimes we can get really stuck and this is even just um, just in chronic symptoms. I, it has to be done this way. This is how my days go. I'm so busy. Are there, are there things you can cut out? Are there ways that you can, um, you know, double up on some different tasks so you can focus and prioritize sleep. And I'll talk about this with new moms too. Like you are up a ton with the little one. There's no way that you're going to get a solid seven to nine hours, but are there ways that you can prioritize sleep? Can you sneak in a nap during you know, a 20 minute break, you know, if you're, say you're working from home. So I would just encourage that just, um, just kind of create a different vision almost like, can this look different? And then when it comes to sleep, I always feel like when, when people use the word biohack, I like love it and don't like it. Cause sometimes I feel like, how can we biohack just so we can, you know, sleep less for the sake of sleeping less or do more, even though we really should be resting. Right. I don't know if you've kind of felt that too, but in this way, I would tell faith, how can you kind of hack your sleep? So make sure that you are doing things throughout your day. That's going to promote a healthy circadian rhythm. So sunshine in the morning, getting some movement in on your day. And then in the evening, wind, having a wind down routine, it doesn't have to be a lot like is a warm bath. Is that helpful for your sleep? Making sure you're in a dark room, a quiet room, a cool room, wear some blue blockers at night. So if you are working in the evening, that blue light isn't going to affect your quality of sleep. And then there might be some sleep supporting herbs that can be helpful too, just to get quality there. Let's say she gets five hours of sleep. You can have a horrible five hours of sleep with very little deep sleep or you can have a very restorative five hours of sleep. I would work on how do you have really, really good five hours of sleep because that can make you feel drastically different. Mm. This one's from Stephanie. And I know that a lot of people had a similar question to this. She said, how do you stay hopeful when the road feels really long? So for Stephanie, she's dealing with PCOS and SIBO, which again can be complicated and SIBO is its own animal and it could keep right. going back and all that. But what about mindset and just keeping keeping the faith, keeping hope? Right. That is something that has kind of ebbed and flowed over the years for me because I have had symptoms for over 15 years. And so, like I said, our marriage has kind of been defined by how is Megan feeling? And I don't love that, but um, I had a friend recently and she's, it was through many series of events and it kind of came to the point and she wasn't you know, saying this harshly, but I left going, okay, this is really helpful. How do I work with my limitations and my capacity versus against it? So number one, staying hopeful. That's where my faith comes in um, and really trusting the Lord in that. That is where my family comes in, focusing it on all of the good things around me. People are praying for me. And I just deep down know that our bodies were created to heal. That doesn't mean it's going to be instantly. 
oh goodness, I wish it was like, you know, that first protocol I did fixed everything. It didn't. Um, there's many, many layers to that. Um, but I just have really found a lot of freedom to go. My capacity is only so much. My limitations sometimes are greater. How do I still live a very, very full life with not feeling like, well, I should be able to do this. I should do this. I'm going to push myself super hard to be able to do these things. And that may not seem like, how do you keep the, keep hopeful, but it's really helped me just to identify. And that has really decreased stress too. And the more we can decrease stress, isn't it over, I think it's even close to 98%. I might have it wrong, but over 90% of doctor's visits are due to stress. Mm-hmm. And so if we can work on that, if we can start to retrain our brain through vagus nerve, nervous system exercises, get out of fight or flight or get out of freeze, retrain that limbic system to not always be in this, everything is horrible kind of mindset that can change our health and our outlook so much. And another thing that I have really thought of is, can we still be joyful? Can we still be hopeful? Can we still be happy? if we don't have the health that we want, if we still have some symptoms. And I think that it helps to put your mindset into, you know, we're not going to have perfect health. There's always going to be some sort of challenge that we have. I do think we can get out of the, like, everything's on fire kind of um, health challenges, Mm -hmm. but you're going to wake up and, oh, that back's going to hurt or I have a little brain fog today. Can we get our, our brain and body to a place where we can still really enjoy the day and not have that ruin our day? And I have, I have allowed my health to ruin more days than I'd like to admit instead of reframing it. And that helps me stay a lot, a lot more hopeful. Yeah. I love that. I think this is too, the only thing I'll add is I feel like this is where community is so important. Like you said, having people pray with you or pray for you, or just feeling like other people know what's going on. Because a lot of times when we're dealing with chronic illness, it can feel like, um, very lonely. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, people can become very closed off and stop doing things and stop getting out, but that actually makes things worse. You need to be out, you know, engaging with, uh, with people and community when you can, and within reason, um, whether it's church or, you know, serving or giving back to the community or participate, volunteering, like doing something with other people and getting out of your, bubble is, is really nourishing because when all you think about is your pain or your gut issues, and it just like, it doesn't get better when all you do is marinate on it and think about it. So just mm-hmm. not, not necessarily distracting yourself, but understanding, like reminding yourself that one, there's many other people who are willing to support you and be there for you. And that's how humans were designed. We were designed to live in community, not to live by ourselves. Um, And so, you know, engaging with that, with community and forming connections and two, remembering that everybody's struggling with something. Um, This is, this has helped me because sometimes it can feel like, oh, I'm the only one dealing with this, Mm -hmm. but then you get to talking to people and you find out a lot more people are dealing with the same thing. So it's nice to find other people who may be a few steps ahead of you or maybe have overcome things or are still living their lives and working through some things and struggling with what, you know, everybody has something you will either, there will be trauma. You will, if you're guaranteed of anything, you're going to struggle. There's going to be trauma. There's going to be, you're going to have health issues. And so it's about how can we, um, 
as individuals, how do we process through and work through those things? And I think the best way to do that is honestly with other people who understand. So um, I, I really, I, that's why I appreciate this community because I do feel like a lot of women in the well-fed women podcast community in particular are kind of, you know, we're all doing life together in, in a way. And, um, and you'll see that a lot of moms and a lot of women and just, you know, we're all kind of dealing with similar things. And it's just nice to see that like, oh, I'm not alone. So mm-hmm. um, I love that. And be vulnerable with people. Don't make everything about your health. Oh, today I feel, but mm-hmm. share with them. Cause some people will be like, my friends don't get it. Nobody gets it. I feel so lonely. But that doesn't mean they need to get every detail of it or fully understand. But people really want to support you and they really want to help you. And maybe, you know, it's finding a different community too, because maybe those friends really just aren't aren't going to get it. But I have so many people that are very supportive. They know that I eat differently. They know that I don't have the same capacity. And it's so supportive. It doesn't feel lonely. And even when my health was most flared, like I didn't feel lonely, which is such a gift. I feel like from, from God, cause I was very, very stuck at home for almost a couple of years, mm-hmm. but people checked in on me and, and they were praying for me and they were there for me. Even when I couldn't see them that much, I, at that time was a lot of Voxer conversations, which isn't the same as in-person community, but goodness, I'm grateful for technology for where it can come in and really help support. But I, I like that. Just be share with people, be vulnerable. So a lot of times chronic illness, you look fine on the outside. And if you, you know, put on a cute outfit and a lot of makeup and, you know, do your hair, you can look like you feel amazing and you can feel really bad. And so it's not, people don't always look and be like, oh, she looks really sick. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that can be hard. I mean, goodness, I'm, a lot of people probably are like, I'm glad I don't look sick too, but it can be hard. Cause it's like, you look fine. You mm-hmm. look fine. And I remember somebody years and years ago that was like, why are you so obsessed about this? You look fine. I was like, that is not the yardstick for how you feel though. Um, so just invite people in. Yeah. Okay. This one's from Jennifer. She says, how do you treat multiple chronic illnesses? What is the priority for treat? This is a million dollar question. What is the priority for treatment? (laughs) Why does one person get impacted so much by the environment when others in the same environment don't, even if they're related? I have high mycotoxin levels, gut parasites, gut dysbiosis, hypothyroidism, blood sugar instability, liver methylation issues, et cetera. I was on antibiotics for acne for 10 years, Accutane, birth control. Did all this just wreck my immune system and make me susceptible to illness? Or could it be a combination of genetics and stress? I am working with a functional medicine doctor, and I think I finally found one that could help me. I've been chasing the root cause and right treatments for my health for 20 years. So when people have multiple issues, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just I think most people, when you deal with chronic illness, it's very common that you have other things going on. Like you said, your hormones, your digestion, all the things. So what's the priority? And then also maybe can you give us some insight about why some people seem to get so impacted while others don't? What are those factors that play into that? And Jennifer did mention a few, so. Right, okay. I'm gonna try to be succinct on this. (laughs) So number one, and I feel like Jennifer is doing this, but hire a skilled practitioner. And I really wanna focus on skilled. So this is probably somebody who is a doctor 
There's a lot of really good functional medicine chiropractors. Some of this had a lot of training. There are a lot of people like, oh, my gut kind of feels bad. I've got a little energy issues. That can, a lot of practitioners can just help the average person with more average symptoms. When you've got years and years of depth and years and years of things, you know, piled on each other, you really, truly need a skilled practitioner. You cannot do this by yourself. And you need to make sure that you seek someone out that like that gets it. So that's first with that. Um, multiple chronic illnesses. So when it comes down to, I don't want to like make this too simple when it comes to root cause, it really comes down to toxicity. So what are the toxicities that are, you know, um, you know, in your toxic bucket deficiencies, where are you deficient? What minerals, what nutrients are you deficient in? Is it HCL? So you don't have enough stomach acid. So pathogens keep coming in, um, susceptibility. So that can be some genetic susceptibility though genetics only play about a 10% role in our health, you can genetically be susceptible. Those HLA-DR genes, like I said, that makes you genetically susceptible. So maybe Jennifer has lived in mold. Maybe she grew up in an old moldy farmhouse. They're like, oh, there was always mold in the house. She could That could have caused a lot of susceptibility and a lot of mold issues. And then inflammation. We know inflammation is at the, at the base of so many different things. So those four things, deficiency, um, toxicity, susceptibility, inflammation, that's not really giving you the root cause. I think it's good to keep in our minds. Um, and then to kind of help Jennifer supporting lots of drainage. So making sure that you are doing, you know, supporting your body's detoxification, all of those foundational things. But, and I've touched on this too, when you have been sick for so many years, it changes your brain. So I would say for her, and there's so many people that had just that great, great help with nervous system, kind of the polyvagal theory, making sure that your, your body isn't like stuck in fight or flight or stuck in freeze. It can really keep you stuck in health issues. Um, and so I would work on that. I think the more that I'm learning, that is a foundation too. We've got to make sure that we address that. Cause like I said, if, if our brain is saying danger, danger, danger all the time, how do we heal when we constantly feel like everything is a threat to our health? We have to get the brain calmed down while we work on all of these other things. And then a really good practitioner is going to be able to find, when you talk about priority, find your health history. So some people's priority may be working on foundations and drainage and nervous system support for a year. You may not get to uh, you know, much more than maybe some gentle binding of mycotoxins because your body is still so heightened. Or if there's mast cell issues, I talked to a compound pharmacist and she's like, mast cells are like chess. You play and you make a move and they make a move. And so you've got to work with somebody who can help. We can't push the body into oblivion. So we've got crazy mast cell stuff. And I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, like this has only been, I think I've only known I've had mast cell stuff for like not even a year. And I was like, oh, I've had this for a really long time, but nobody could identify. And so I just tried to push through it and wondered why I would like smack the wall, like halfway into a protocol and I would have to quit the protocol. I once again, was like, oh, I'm so weak. I should just push through. Oh no, no. My body's saying you are fighting too hard <laughs> and you're not doing the right process of things. So for a lot of people, and maybe Jennifer, it could be some slow and gentle work. You don't have to dive into like, you know, taking antiparasitics, like 30 of them a day or something. For some people that can be really helpful. So really a skilled practitioner. And I, I will say another thing. I, I think it's like a seesaw almost of how much we hire practitioners 
work with practitioners. They're, they're worth their weight in gold, a good practitioner is, versus how much we learn, listen to our body and can do ourselves. It's really a balance. With chronic illness, we can't do it all ourselves. And you'll see on Instagram, it's like, you can do everything yourself and do all this stuff. And you, you just get overwhelmed and you get really emotional about your own health. And that's normal. You're supposed to. And you can be like, should I, shouldn't I? I always have a practitioner I'm working with. Even though, even when I was working with patients one-on-one, I still had a practitioner because you sometimes just can't filter for yourself what you need to do. What is priority? Based on my health history, what's coming up? Um, what needs to be addressed next? What What's that kind of hierarchy of my body's needs? Is it mold first? Is it parasites first? Because, you know, Jennifer says she has both of those. I would encourage her for that. Make sure your blood sugar is really stable. Um, Datis Karazian, he started Apex Energetics, the supplement company. He says, you cannot reach a level of homeostasis if your blood sugar is very imbalanced and you're doing a lot of hypoglycemia and you're not going to reach, you cannot heal chronic illness without blood sugar stability. And I thought mm-hmm. that was so interesting because, and you guys talk a lot about this, eating well, making sure you're nourished, making sure you're not you know, fasting for 20 hours a day and you just have chronic hypoglycemia that in and of itself can cause a lot of chronic issues. And this is where it kind of comes like it's, you know, chicken and the egg and chronic illness and stress on the body also negatively affects blood sugar. So I think for me too, that was something I had to really address and go, I need to make sure that throughout my day, not obsessively, so easy to get obsessive that my blood sugar stays stable. And I'm not going to have like something super sweet all, you know, every day, or I'm going to just pair things so that my blood sugar doesn't spike. And then I have to make sure and still in this season, I have to eat every two to three hours or I go too hypoglycemic and Mm -hmm. that can throw off my entire day. So I just wonder how many people are walking around there with too low blood sugar because we've, you know, heard all the amazing things about intermittent fasting and, oh, I think I need a calorie deficit. So I'm eating 1200 calories a day. And if I starve myself more, it's just going to come and kind of bite you in terms of blood sugar component. Mm If you love a good serum, I have a new 30% off coupon code for you. One of the top ways we're exposed to endocrine disruptors, plasticizers like BPA and heavy metals is through cosmetic products. Conventional skincare is often loaded with endocrine disruptors and carcinogens, but products also can be high in heavy metals because they become contaminated through extraction and production. I made the switch to clean beauty five years ago after I read some alarming research that showed how harmful ingredients in skincare products can actually pass through the placenta to the baby and make it into breast milk. I tried so many different clean beauty products and by far the best effective skincare and makeup is from Beauty Counter. Their products are free of known harmful ingredients and they contain active ingredients, which means they work just as good if not better than the conventional products. They test for all contaminants like BPA and heavy metals, which is why I ultimately chose to make the switch. I absolutely love the vitamin C serum and I personally use the Countertime Tripeptide Serum every night, which has totally changed the fine lines around my eyes. Shop Beauty Counter at beautycounter.com slash Tar. Then use the code CLEANFORALL30 to get 30% off your order. You can also join my clean beauty list where I share promotions and sales and offer samples. That's at coconutsandkettlebells.com forward slash beauty. Again, to shop, go to beautycounter.com slash Tar and use the coupon code CLEANFORALL30 for all 30 to get 30% off your first order. This is an interesting question. And I think it's really hard to conceptualize stress. So a lot of, you know, what, what I try to do with my interviews is help 
like get different perspectives on what exactly is stress and how do we manage it? (laughs) Because for too long, we've been told that managing stress is self-care and that those two things aren't mutually exclusive. They're not the same. So you can Mm -hmm. do self-care and not be relieving your stress (laughs) and, um, and you can be super stressed and like not do any self-care and still be relieving your stress, still making a positive impact. Cause to be quite honest, like my self-care is like eating, like making food and eating it and sleeping well, you know? So I think we all, we <laughs> need to kind of put it in, into perspective about what is stress and how to manage it. So Brie in particular asks, how do you actually manage stress? Like stop it in its tracks. I do walking, Epsom salt baths, infrared. I think she needs sauna or maybe she needs red, red light therapy, but it's still not enough to manage my stress and it kills my metabolism. So what are some tools that you have in your toolbox when you're really feeling it? How do you stop it in its tracks? Right. Oh, I feel like I could go so many different ways. I will say, like I said at the beginning part, I didn't realize that my thoughts and my stress levels impacted my health so much. And if I knew what I knew now, I probably wouldn't have been as sick as I was or as symptomatic as I was. I just didn't think it was that big of a deal or like, well, stop stressing. As much as I'm a type A person, I'm actually a quite relaxed person. And so I was like, well, I am not too busy. We don't do tons of things. I'll, you know, watch some TV at night. That has to be enough for stress relief. When I was realizing that my brain was always hyper-stressed and the thoughts that my brain would offer me were very stressful, kind of negative thoughts. And so in addition to all of those good things that she's doing, supporting drainage, supporting minerals, like let's say your foundations are there, you're getting good sunlight and you're like, um, I am stressed out like crazy. That's where that brain retraining comes in. And it's actually creating, you know, the neuroplasticity, you are rewiring the brain. So I have a lot of body movements that really help me. Um, And I am learning a lot from Sarah Jackson and her handle on Instagram is Sarah Jackson coaching. And she works with the polyvagal theory and, and different visualizations and different body movements, a lot of somatic stuff. So my brain and my stress would be like, I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so this. And I would like, it's like my brain just wanted to take a vacation from my life. I know we all can get into that. This was almost constant. Like if I could just watch TV for three days straight and have to take care of nobody, then I'll feel better. And so it was almost this constant, like, I just need to rest. I just need to rest. But it was a very freeze frozen state that my kind of nervous system vagus nerve was in. And it wasn't until I kind of just invited these gentle movements in that I am noticing that I'm rewiring my brain. So my life doesn't feel as stressful. And I would tell my husband, this is the weirdest thing. I love my life. It is exactly what I like dreamed of. I get to stay at home with my kids. I still get to teach people about health. I homeschool my kids. We've got, you know, like, you know, other than my health challenges, like so many things are amazing. I've got this great community of people. Why do I feel like I want to escape my life? Mm. That was, it was where my brain was at. Everything felt not good. Everything felt overwhelming. And so 
that's for me. And I think for a lot of people that missing piece. So I make sure in my days to incorporate some gentle movement, um, and allowing my body to actually feel safe. Like I feel safe in my body. I feel like my body can heal and I'm, I'm working with my body. My body has given me all these signals. I've hated the signals. What if I chose to listen and realize they're for my good? Oh, I need to slow down. These limitations are saying that like I'm pushing my body outside of what I can tolerate. What if I stayed within that? It has been transformational for me. And though nothing has really changed in the last six months, I almost feel like a totally different person because not everything feels as fearful, worrisome, dangerous to my body. It feels much calmer. Mm, I love that. Okay. So we have, um, just a few more minutes. I want to talk about chronic infections after COVID because I know a lot of people struggle are struggling with random infections or just brain fog or, um, just some like loss of taste or whatever with COVID. So chronic, and this is from Adriana. She says chronic infections after having COVID in January, asthma seems out of control and doctors want me on a steroid inhaler indefinitely. I've had pneumonia twice in two months. Okay. So what I know about like post COVID stuff is it stirred the pot because, and it, activated something that most likely was already there and it's now kind of raging out of control. So did it, a lot of practitioners have said, um, patients with mold, like it stirred that and it heightened everything. Mast cells can massively increase histamine intolerance issues. Um, viruses can come reactivated like Epstein-Barr. And so, Mm -hmm. and, and it really does hurt mitochondria. Mitochondria are energy powerhouses. And so it can put them in that cell danger response and kind of shut down their energy production. And that can cause so many different, and I don't want to oversimplify it because every once in a while I'll see something where people are like long COVID doesn't exist or like, oh, you don't really feel that bad. I'm like, okay, long haulers has actually been around for quite a while. Some people can get it with other viral infections, um, Epstein-Barr, like that's, People have suffered with that mold, Lyme, that's technically a long hauler. So I never want to discount that, but it can seem, it seems as though COVID can more than a lot of other things, it stirs that pot and just, it spins fast. And a lot of symptoms can seemingly come out of nowhere. I would recommend hiring a really good practitioner, getting out of the medical model because they don't know that kind of chronic long haulers and find somebody to, to figure out what is it for you? Is it mold? Are you living in mold? And that was just the trigger where your body's like sending you once again, all sorts of signals, AKA symptoms. So really finding somebody to help because the doctors are just going to give you, like we talked about earlier, that drug thing. Well, I, you fit in this box. It sounds like this. Here's the med for that. Most of us listening go, we want something different. We want to get to the root of it. What, what was stirred up during um, that infection that now you're dealing with? Have you heard anything about, just as a side note, zinc and it's like zinc deficiencies or using regular zinc or high dose zinc as a treatment for loss of taste? I have heard, yes, I feel like I haven't done like the massive deep dive in research with mm-hmm. zinc because like minerals need to be paired with other minerals. So too much zinc can deplete copper, right? 
And so I don't know if I would do really high dose zinc for long term. I definitely think it can be done for a short period of time, but potentially bringing in like an oyster supplement because you're going to have a good balance of zinc and copper, but yet that could potentially flare some mast cell stuff, which can happen after COVID. Um, Loss of taste and smell. Some people feel better if they um, do like the smell tests where you, you can like Google it. You get four different essential oils from like different families and you smell them like multiple times a day. So you're retraining that olfactory nerve. Um, Acupuncture can be really helpful. I've heard mushroom extracts um, can be good. Shilajit or like, uh, you know, more minerals, but some people get their smell fully back. Some don't. I'm not I'm not completely sure on, I think there's many mechanisms at play with smell mm-hmm. and taste, but there are some things that can be helpful. I think a lot of things are worth trying. Try some yeah. zinc. And most of us are actually really deficient in zinc in addition to a lot of other minerals, but I like taking minerals like I said, more together than just isolating one and like supplementing it so much. Okay. Are you okay with like two more questions? Oh yeah. Okay. Let's do this one about, cause we got two about finding the root cause with chronic hives and rashes. This is from Jules and then Texarita says how to manage skin mm-hmm. issues that go along with chronic illness, like psoriasis. So mm-hmm. what's, you know, I've, we've done, I've done a whole episode on here on skin issues because so many people have all these skin issues. So how do we go about finding the, and <laughs> let's just be honest, dermatology is the worst when it comes to trying to find root causes. That's- I, get, <laughs> I get the biggest eye rolls from people. I can feel it when I'm trying to talk about doing stool testing for my psoriasis or whatever. So, um, how do we go about and who, like, who do we go to? So how do we go about figuring out the root cause of some of these chronic hives or rashes or psoriasis? Right. Okay. So two things, kind of two main ones. So there is definitely something burdening the body. So why is that coming out via your skin? Right. If we can't detox, we don't have proper drainage. I guess we'll use the better your body's natural drainage your body's, I got to get these toxins out. And a lot of times they push right through the skin, right? Because we've got skin, big organ. So support drainage, make sure that you're having enough bowel movements to get those toxins out. You're doing lymph work that in and of itself can help skin stuff. But secondly, it could be a mast cell or like histamine intolerance response. And that isn't, it's a newer thing. And maybe the last decade, I'm going to say, Um, lots of research on it, lots of really good stuff, but essentially our mast cells are supposed to degranulate. They're supposed to release histamines and cytokines and all these different other mediators. But what happens in chronic illness, allergies are all going to be mast cell things, a lot of skin stuff, flushing, hives, redness, rashes, histamines, and mast cells. They're degranulating too much. Your body is, um, has an onslaught of these toxins. And it's like, it's almost like, um, fireworks are going off with the mast cells. They won't stop releasing these. And so you can get a lot of skin things. Mast cells also, there was another question. Um, and I can't remember which one it was because you sent me some of them. It was like, it was skin stuff along with GI issues. 
So mast cells are not just a skin thing. It can cause neurological issues. It can cause GI problems. It can cause heart stuff. So heart palpitations could be a mast cell thing. There's, it, it is more body systems than just skin. So I don't want to be like, if you have a rash, it's totally mast cells. It would come with other symptomatology with it. Um, but I think it's overlooked and really at the base of it, why are these mast cells like popping off so many of these different like chemicals? It's because there's a root toxin. The body feels like there's too many foreign invaders and really going to the bottom. Is there environmental toxicity? EMFs can really stress the body out. Is there parasites? Is there mold? Is there mold in your house? Is there old mold still circulating in your body? Do we've got, do we have some Lyme co-infections? Um, you know, what are those pathogens? And it, it is a dance when it comes, if, if the skin stuff really is mast cells, it, it's that dance, you know, it, they move, you move. It can be kind of tricky to, you have to balance the mast cells. You have to, there's lots of mast cell support. There are some drugs and meds that, that can be helpful. And some people might need, and there's a lot of mast cell stabilizing supplements. So you've got to stabilize mast cells all while getting rid of whatever toxicity infection is there too. And so I've heard a lot of people say like, you know, eczema, psoriasis, there is something down, you know, in your gut or whatever it might be, but it's flaring those mast cells and, and practitioners. I sometimes I feel like when I give the thing of like, work with a practitioner, work with a practitioner, I'm just like pawning off, you know, the, the work, if you will, or like, oh, you can't do it yourself, but mm -hmm. it's a complex issue. And that's where the training of a practitioner is so helpful because they can kind of play that game you know, do the dance with the mast cells and the pathogens in order to calm the body down. You really can get calmed down. It can just take a little while and take, and with mast cells, I will say everybody's body's different. So that's why it's not like, well, if you just take these three things, it stabilizes all mast cells. Some people it'll help a ton. One thing like quercetin can be amazing. Some people it's not so great for them. So it does take some trial and error. But yeah, that's where a lot of skin issues come from. Got it. This last question mm -hmm. from Sarah. She says, I have chronic gastritis going on about eight years now. I've seen two GI docs, two naturopaths, one ENT. I've had three upper endoscopies and countless rounds of omeprazole. Omeprazole. I've taken uh, countless supplements marshmallow roots, slippery elm. I've eliminated foods. According to my biopsies, there's no sign of H. pylori. I've had pH tests. I'm literally at the end of my rope with this and tired of, tired of pouring thousands of dollars down the drain with no relief. Is there a point where you have to accept that your condition simply cannot be healed or is there something else I can try that I have missed? Mm -hmm. My heart so goes out to Sarah because I know like she's not the only one that's like, do I just accept this? Is this just mm -hmm is mm -hmm. just what I'm going to be living with. And I want to say never accept or own the diagnosis. And I feel like we all need to believe that our body can heal. That doesn't mean we're going to have perfect health, but it can, like I said, not mean, not feel like the house is on fire all the time. So Dr. Jess Petras always says, you need to find the right recipe when it comes to your health. And I love that. We need to figure out how these puzzle pieces come together. And so I would just encourage Sarah, even though I know you've tried so many things, you need to find the right recipe. There's clearly some missing puzzle pieces. Now it seems like she's gone down a lot of the traditional medical system route, but 
are you working with a functional practitioner? Are you figuring the, like trying to figure it out with them? When she said chronic gastritis, this was the one where my brain said, I bet there's a mast cell component. And I bet if we looked at her health history and her symptomatology, we would see other signs of that chronic gastritis can be mast cells. They can release a ton in the GI. They are found everywhere where there's like, um, uh, an exit to the, to the world, right? Mouth, um, is one ears. So that they're, they're greater in that they're in the gut too. So I would try to find somebody that can figure out, you know, medically there's no H pylori. And a lot of times stool tests can be very inaccurate, which doesn't mean you never run them, but trying to figure out, you know, somebody that can maybe read blood work just a little bit differently. So you need somebody that knows parasites, maybe mold mold can really destroy the gut. Um, so can parasites and parasites, they're really, um, it's kind of like the new catchy, flashy thing to talk about in, in health. And so if somebody's like, oh, I follow a bunch of people and they're always talking about parasites. Parasites are really odd because they are both, uh, I don't really want to say protective, but I'm, I'm going to use that word and super toxic to the body too. So when you're susceptible and they become opportunistic or overgrown, they also hold eight times their body weight in toxins. They can hold mold. They can hold other pathogens. They can hold heavy metals. So in a way it's kind of protective. I'm going to put that in air quotes. Because your body feels a little less toxic because the parasites are holding on to it, but they create their own host of so many issues. They steal your iron, they steal your minerals, they cause GI upset, but yet they're holding all these toxins also. So with chronic gastritis, and I've had chronic bloating for years, something like slippery elm, marshmallow root. And I always used to joke, people would be like, a blog post, five ways to heal your bloat. And it was like, mm-hmm. drink more water, oh, gosh. some glutamine. And I was like, um, okay. I vow to never write blog posts like that because they are so unhelpful. Right. <laughs> um, trust me, I've tried those five things. And if it was that simple, nobody would have gut issues. There's, there's a lot to it. I'm guessing that Sarah's going to have, because she's got gut on fire, but she'll have some brain on fire too. So that's where working with a practitioner is so helpful because they can really peel back those layers. But I would, my biggest encouragement is trust that your body can heal. And with all of that, it does come like, I would call it little T trauma. You know, there mm-hmm. is a lot of medical symptoms, trauma that, that comes with all that. Like I have tried everything. She's feeling hopeless, bringing some nervous system support in there too. And then lots of good drainage because anybody can do that. Anybody can support that. And then the practitioner can keep building uh, with protocols and things to help the gut. Megan, you're so knowledgeable in so many things. I so appreciate you taking the time to really break down and talk through a lot of these questions because I think, you know, and, and we've been there and, and you you felt it too. It, you can get to a really hopeless place. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you bringing some encouragement and hope and giving people a little bit of direction um, where can we find more about what you're doing? I know you have a wonderful podcast, which is why you sound so great. You've got a mic and all the things and I love it. Um, and what, well, what else are you doing? Right. Well, I feel like I'm not seeing patients right now, though. I still love learning as if I'm a practitioner. Um, but I have a podcast, the just enjoy health podcast that has been going on for quite some time. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Megan Burt. And that's where I spend most of my time right now. I just love offering a lot of free content. That's my capacity is just giving, giving content right now. Um, so that people can find answers 
can feel educated and realize you're, you're not alone. Your body can heal. And here's some things to think about. And here's some things to do so that we can support our bodies. I feel like in in our culture right now, like so many, we're just getting sicker and sicker, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not that we need to like um, uh, find our identity or like worship our bodies. We should take good care of them so that we can keep doing the things that we're called to do. And we can be productive and really purposeful in that. And not that there isn't purpose in suffering and pain and symptoms, but it's like, I want us to look at our bodies and go, I want to treat my body much better and I'm going to do my best to care for it. And that's really my heart. And my goal is just to make that as simple as possible and just encourage people that, yeah, they can heal and your body is just designed amazingly. Yeah. Thank you, Megan, for being here. I so appreciate your time. For more from Megan, by the way, it's M-E-G-H-A-N. Her website is meganbert, B-I-R-T dot com. And we'll link to um, her podcast and all the stuff in the show notes. For more from me, you can go to coconutsandcutabells.com. Thanks so much for being here, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.